The Trinity Center for Spiritual Living appreciates your selecting our podcast service as a part of your spiritual journey. The TCSL podcast has over 1,000 downloads a month worldwide by individuals just like you seeking to expand their spiritual magnificence. To express your gratitude and donate for the good you hear and the growth you experience from our lesson, visit our website at trinitycenteratlanta.org forward slash donate. As you donate, affirm, my offering affirms my commitment and my willingness to be an inlet and an outlet for the abundant good and energy of divine spirit. Please enjoy the latest podcast from the Trinity Center for Spiritual Living. Just a quote on, that's on your affirmation card. And I'm going to do this because if you haven't turned your question over, if you had a question, if you have not turned that over to Letitia yet, just raise your hand. She'll come and get it, or Dan will come and get it. Look at all the hands go up. And so, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get to all the questions in a moment. Um, but my quote this week is a quote of mine. And it says, as an expression of the wisdom and intelligence of divine source, you contain every answer to your every question. So we are never answering a question of the intellect. We are simply awakening, awakening a remembrance within your soul. And this is important for us to remember as we move along this type of service today. And that is, I, Reverend Tony likes to remind people that you are, just as you are, this vibrant, loving, wonderful, infinite, creative, intelligent, spiritual being. That is what you are at your core level. And people forget about that. But there's never any truth that Reverend Tony can teach or speak that you don't already know. The question is, do you remember it? And I, I, I've lost track, and, you know, we've been doing this now for 18 years. And I've lost track of the number of times people have come up to me after a service and said, you know, you were speaking to me today. That's exactly what I needed to hear. Right? And that, at the ego level, that feels very good. But at the level of vibration, at the vibration of source, all it does is reaffirm what we just said. And that is, you already know the answer. You already know the answer. But somewhere along the way, it's been conditioned out. Somewhere along the way, through events, experiences, maybe just through family matters. It doesn't matter. It doesn't, it doesn't matter how it happened. But somewhere along the way, it's been, you've simply forgot. There's layers of stuff that we want to peel away to help you remember. And so it's always important to remember that because I think people come into this teaching and they think, oh my God, I'm broken. I'm broken, I need someone to fix me. You are not broken. You are perfect, whole, and complete, just how you are. You do not need anyone to fix you. Occasionally, you need someone to remind you. You need someone to remind you, but you never need anybody to fix you. Fix you. So, let, let's do our questions. And the answer is, <laughs> oh, good. Okay. Oh, it's a long question. Um, I feel so conflicted watching and listening to MSNBC these days. Turn it off. I feel moments of shock, disbelief, and hate at times towards Donald Trump and those who support him, as he represents the worst of our culture. I now understand how other cultures can hate Americans, and I'm somehow grateful for this knowing. 
Still, I feel I am deeply disturbed in quiet moments when I am not distracted in my daily life. I have difficulty sleeping and tears over this sadness. What should I do? Um, first thing is to realize you're not alone. <laughs> Look, I, I, I just knew coming in that there was going to be a question about our current political climate. And I'm going to preface, because I'm sure there's another one in here. And so I'm going to preface my comments on the political structure with this. As, as a church, and a lot of people don't know this, um, I can endorse anybody I choose to endorse from the podium. As a church, I can hold whatever political position I choose to endorse from the podium. What I cannot do, what I cannot do is require you as a member or, or friend of the church to go and vote for somebody. That's manipulation. And that's what's illegal. That's what's illegal. Now, I tend to walk a fine line when it comes to politics in the center because we do have a very diverse congregation, for the most part, in some political issues. But now, and so I want to preface what I'm about to, how I'm about to answer that with this. As I said, you're, you're not alone in your concern. Um, he, here's what I really want folks to get. All this energy of hate and discrimination and just, oh my God, where, where did this come from, is not about Donald Trump. It, it really is not. Donald Trump is the demonstration of the vibration of energy that has been there for quite some time. And if you want to take a look back to see where that vibration really started taking hold, and this is going to be a very unpopular comment, go back to where and when President Obama was first elected. Because we didn't call them racist then, then we called them the Tea Party. That's what we called them. Because they were a little more eloquent in how they expressed their distaste for a person of color in the White House. And what we're seeing now, as a result of this vibration that's demonstrated, is that now what's happened is, guess what? They, they have the demonstration in, in the White House, but what's happening? They're turning on each other. Now, understand this level of vibration, this level of negative energy, it cannot sustain itself. It is total op polar opposite of, of universe and the way the universe operates, and that is why it's turning on itself. It will eventually burn itself out, but all our shock and disdain that so many people feign now when they hear these racist comments and all that, that needed, especially when they're on the opposite political spectrum, that needed to occur ten, nine years ago. That needed to occur nine years ago. Because it wasn't snuffed out and called for what it was at the time, um, John Boehner said he will be a one-term president. Talking about President Obama. First time in history a speaker, we have Speaker of the House, Speaker of the House came out and showed not a willingness to support the current elected president. It, it blew me away. It had nothing to do with his politics and had everything to do with that vibration of racism, of 
nationalism was not caught out at the time for what it was for, what it was. And we had so many people say, oh, well, you know, this is just about politics. This is just about the Tea Party. No. You know, I can put lipstick on the pig. It's still going to be a pig. <laughs> to quote Sarah Palin. Anyhow, <laughs> speaking of Tea Party racist, anyhow, Are y'all following me? Does that kind of answer your question? So what do you individually do about that? Your goal is this. Let me, our, our issue with the current political environment, it's not who's in the White House, is the complacency with which it's being met with. There's a wonderful article today uh, that's hit the net, and it's about the issue in, the campaign issues in Alabama. And it's about how the Democratic candidate is not receiving the support from the African-American community that they need. Look, we have to get beyond this idea that I'm going to vote for my candidate because they're a certain gender, race, or whatever else we can throw in there. It's about who's best for the collective whole. And from there, that's when we can get into some real political discussion. Right? So the complacency with which we're currently, society as a whole is currently meeting our, our uh, is meeting this current political climate, that's going to have to come to an end. But what I will say very clearly is it's going to burn itself out. That level of hate will burn, it, burn itself out. That level of negative vibration will eventually burn itself out. So what can you do about it individually? Treat every day. Stop watching so much MSNBC or any, anyone else, any, any other station for that matter, and give yourself time to breathe. You want to heal the world? You want to heal that energy of, God, I just hate Donald Trump? Then you need to do affirmative prayer work to hold Donald Trump in love and light, to hold Donald Trump in the love and light of source so that you can lovingly see him being released back into the nothingness from which he came. Because you're, you're not going to heal, you're not going to heal the current political environment until you heal yourself. And we're not going to heal this political environment by maintaining a vibration that matches the vibration that we're being presented with. You follow that? And I know that may not be the answer you want to hear, and I apologize for that, but at the end of the day, it's really not about what they're doing. It's about what we're doing. And it's about the vibration that we're offering in the moment. Okay? Call your, call your family and friends in Alabama and tell them to vote. Okay. Why do you take your shoes off every service? <laughs> For the longest time, I took my shoes off in service, and I didn't know why. And it was just a natural thing to do. Um, and it, you know, part of me won't say, well, because it feels good. <laughs> but then another friend of mine that, that had some shaman training explained to me that there's a natural propensity to do that because it's about being centered. It's about being grounded. 
right? And so do I want to take my socks off? No, I'm not sure when we vacuumed the floor last. But it's about getting as grounded as you can in that moment. And so there's something about, for me, that allows me to feel grounded. And as you know, you know, yes, I prepare a Sunday talk most of the time, but then we have these long stretches where it's just me connected to source and we're flowing. And that's always when I tell you guys to take notes because I really don't know what's going to come forward in that moment. So that's, that's the purpose why. That's the purpose why. Do I recommend it? I don't recommend walking around house in your home in high heels. I can tell you that. I'm thinking of something cute to say. Best book for newbies to spiritual living, and no, I don't mean your autobiography. <laughs> so, so there's two things about this question that I'll say. I always like to talk about like attracting like. This proves it. <laughs> Not your autobiography. Um, there's a couple of books I recommend. Um, I feel the, the Science of Mind textbook can read as heavy as time at times, because of the century that it was written in, the time of the century it was written in. Um, so I recommend a very small book by Dr. Dennis Merritt Jones called How to Speak Religious Science. It's only about this big, about this thick, and it's about this big. Okay, So it's not a big book at all, and it really opens up, discusses a lot of the terms that we use. It goes into some of the principles that we speak of. I recommend that. I also recommend... Um, there's a book called Hidden Problems. No, that's wrong. Hidden, Hidden Power for Human Solutions. It's by Dr. Frederick Bales. Now, this book was written maybe in the 50s or the 60s. I'm not sure exactly when. But Dr. Bales was, was not a religious science uh, minister or teacher, but he was a teacher of spiritual principle. And this hidden power for human problems, yes. And the great thing about this book was Dr. Bales goes into a great deal of discussion on spiritual principles and the laws of the universe. But then in addition to that, um, he also gives some uh, very easy exercises to do for that new person. Okay? So there's visualization exercises, there's spiritual uh, affirmative prayer exercises, but nothing that's going to make you feel uh, uncomfortable, if you will, like, I can't do this. So it was a great job, in my opinion. The other book that I will talk about, because um, I, I just love it dearly, is The Energy Connection by Joyce Reynolds. We do have that here. And The Energy Connection is really about the law of attraction. Uh, you know, I told Joyce I'm going to call it this, but I, I call it The Law of Attraction for Dummies. Because that's what I needed at the time. The book is now in its third or fourth printing. It, it, is it fifth printing? Thank you. Um, so it's been around for a while, but it was the first book that I ever read that opened my eyes up to the law of attraction and what vibration and energy meant. Um, I, I, tell, I told Joyce not long ago, because I've recommended it as that CSL do a, offer it as an ongoing class offering, um, but I told Joyce that, you know, as I read through the book again, because I read through it often and have, have offered it as a class, 
that everything that Joyce talks about in the energy connection is now what Esther Hicks or was what Esther Hicks was talking about. So Joyce was really ahead of her time in writing the book now in its fifth printing. Yes. Yeah, I know. Thank you. Thank you. This side, please. So this is a great question. I love to tell this story. How did you find spiritual living and what made you want to be a reverend? <laughs> some people know this story. Some people do not. Um, so in my early 20s, um, I was not in the most uh, profound place of my journey. Um, I was probably a few grams away from being a drug addict. I was in a extremely, um, uh, what's the word, Rel unhealthy relationship that was um, emotionally and physically detrimental to my well-being. Um, and I was in just a horrible job. <laughs> horrible job. I work for a bank. So, anyhow. Um, we had gone down, a group of us decided to go to Florida for the weekend, and it was a three-day weekend. As I said, there was no money, and so the goal was to split a hotel room between the three of us, because that's all we could afford, or four of us, because that's all we could afford, and eat out of vending machines, okay? And, you know, when you're 24, 25, or 23, you, you can get away with eating peanut butter and cheese crackers, you know. Um, so anyhow, that was it. And this was in the early 80s. And if you recall in the early 80s, all we had was what? Regular radio. There was no internet radio. There, there weren't CDs. I think we had a cassette player in the car. And I was in the back seat with all the luggage because I was the smallest of the ones in the car. And um, in the back, in the floorboard, well, I have to make sure we do get this right, as we're get just past Macon, the radios go out. The radio signal goes out. So there's nothing to do. And if you've ever been on that stretch beyond Macon and the Florida Panhandle, oh, my God. It, it's no man's land. So the radio signals go out. I look down, and there's this little brightly colored magazine sitting there. And it's called Creative Thought Magazine. And I asked my friend driving, I said, what is this? And he said, oh, that's some religious rag so-and-so gave me, throw it out at the next stop. I said, okay. But I decided I would read it. Pick fun at these re religious fools, you know. And as I read it, it was, it, Creative Thought Magazine had various articles from the New Thought speakers of the time, CSL ministers at the time, affirmative prayers, and I read it. And then I read it again. And then when we came back, I read it again, coming back up. And I read it again, two times going down, two times coming back. The follow, I looked up, where could I find this religious science church that they're talking about, because that's what it was at the time. And lo and behold, as coincidence would have it, there was one just a few blocks away. And so I went. And for the first year, I would sit in the back of the Richard Rich Auditorium because I knew I knew that when lightning struck, that man on the podium 
for all that blasphemy, he was saying, I didn't want to be anywhere near it. And nothing ever happened. So I decided I'd start taking classes, and I did. And I first started taking classes because in the interim of this year, I, I decided to flush any re drugs that I had down the toilet um, and start working on me. Start working on me. And that's what I did. And so I started taking classes and taking classes and taking classes and taking classes. And I went into practitioner training. It was two years of classwork. Then I went into practitioner training. And I did not really want to be a practitioner, but eh, why not? I needed something to do on, on Thursday nights at the time so I could stay out of trouble. And then went, did all the practitioner training, and then I went into ministerial training. But I didn't go into ministerial training to become a minister. I went to my teacher and I said, oh, look, I know you're going to offer ministerial training. And it's a two-year course. I will not ever be a minister. What I told him. I said, but I really want something to do on Thursday nights. But I don't want to disrupt your class. And I don't want you to waste your time. But can't, may I please take the class? And he said, sure. Sure, take the class. And so I did. And I took two years of ministerial training and then decided, well, I came this far. I'll go ahead just to say I did it. And I completed all the prerequisites, got my past a pa oral panel where they just drill you with questions and all this wonderful stuff. And then it was over. And maybe two years went by, three years went by. And in the meantime, I was working my way up the corporate ladder had a nice job, and then I decided I would go into go to work for an internet company because I was going to be rich, baby. I was going to ride that internet bubble, and so that's what I did. I jumped ship, and then what happened? The bubble burst, and so we decided that um, since I had worked since I was 14 years old, that I would take some time off. We had some real estate that we had convert we rental rental estate, that multifamily that we converted to condominiums. That was my year off. And then it was time to go back to work. And I had several offers I was fielding, and um, none of them made my heart sing. And I was starting to get a little upset. There were some good offers, but none of them really fed me. And so I called my teacher, and I said, you know, here's what's going on. What do you think I should do? And he reti had retired at the time. And he said, well... You've got your credentials. Go start a church and leave me alone. That's sure. Why not? Let's, let's do that. That's, you know, I'm the accidental minister. That's where that came from. Okay? It's now been 18 years. It's the best decision I've ever made. Well, second best decision I ever made. Because we have to conclude Dan in the first best decision I ever made. Y'all didn't laugh at that or applaud? Nothing? <laughs> oh, this is good. How do I release hurt from someone important that I still have to be around daily and they still intentionally show malicious intent toward me? Look, same answer as with Donald Trump for the most part. The first thing to do is to do affirmative prayer work to only see and hold that person in love and light. 
the second thing to do is to really take stock of is this important regardless of relationship for me to maintain my interaction with this person. Sometimes the most difficult answer is going to be no. And you sever that. So it's a matter of when you're working with the vibration of love, you have to understand and get clear about what is more important. My sanity, my love for myself, or maintaining this relationship with someone that could very well be a relative, all right, that pushes my buttons continuously. And when you reach that level of, I love myself enough, you, can, you have a choice at that point. You can begin si setting boundaries. Look, this is what you say that pushes my buttons. We're going to, you're going to change this behavior with my assistance. If not, we're going to have to end our relationship. And that's a very difficult thing to do. But at the end of the day, if the other individual doesn't know they're pushing your buttons, they're going to keep on pushing them. So we have to look at, am I, am I addressing this issue from a level of pure truth? Pure truth is not just about healing yourself, but it's about allowing that other person to know why there's a need for healing. And give them the benefit of the doubt. Never forget that you are always dealing with source energy. In other words, you're always dealing the divine to the divine. So that individual, just as I said to you, you are perfect, whole, and complete. You might not always know that, but so, and that's our role is to remind you. If that individual is continuously expressing malicious behavior towards you, it's a guarantee they don't operate from that knowing. They don't operate from the perfection that they are. The question for you becomes is, is it your role in life to raise their vibration? Is, is that your purpose? Or is your purpose to set the example? To set the example and say, this is how we're going to operate the divine to the divine. And allow them to raise their vibration up to meet yours. And let go of this need to lower your vibration to meet theirs. There's a huge difference there. And I, and I get it. I promise you, I understand it's difficult because it is a, a family relationship. But at the end of the day, nothing's going to change until you do. Nothing's going to change until you do. And it, it's difficult. But you can allow that person the benefit and the knowledge of and the awareness that as an expression of the divine, which they are, they have the ability to raise their vibration to match yours. And until you begin doing that affirmative prayer work, that visualization work, seeing them in love and light, then you're not setting the intention for them to raise their vibration. And that also may entail a serious heart-to-heart -heart conversation. I hope, I'm, I hope that answered. I saw a lot of heads going up and down. Rev, when are you going to write a book? Um, well, it's an, that's an interesting question. Um, I will say that, you know, it's so, <laughs> speaking of, of truth and all that great stuff. Um, so, for the record, I have a book, and it's, on, it's online. It's a book of, of 
different articles, different talks, different affirmative prayers. It's available on our website for free download. Okay? Um, I, I get feedback on it consistently from people that come across it through whatever means. Um, my head right now is not in a space to write a book about life. And I, I'm, I'm kind of not in that headspace personally because, how do I want to say this? We have too many books. <laughs> we have too many latest and greatest. We, I, I, I just, here's an, for me it would be here's another book, here's, here's what everybody else has always said for the past 2,000 years and here's my take on it and here's what you can do. Look, I, I hope my journey doesn't end with my ever saying, wow, he wrote a great book for me to read. I hope it ends with, wow, he set a great example for me to follow. You follow the difference? And if I can do anything to shift the, the, the energy in, in the world, it's going to be about saying, yeah, take all that knowledge from all those books and now practice it. And now practice it. Now, I'm not saying I'll never write a book. I'm saying in today's environment, there's a lot of books out there. And another one's not going to do the world any good. What's going to do the world some good is us practicing some of the principles that we teach. And while we're on this subject, I had a very interesting experience. And this is, this is what allows me to, or brings up something that I want folks to be mindful of. Uh, maybe a year or so ago, we hosted a CSL event here. Uh, centers from around the southern region came here and they were participating in an educational conference that we were hosting. And that's uh, actually when I suggested Joyce Reynolds' book as an ongoing curriculum within CSL. However, some young lady went up to Dr. John Waterhouse, and Dr. John, of course, as many of you know, is the president of the organization. And she said to Dr. Waterhouse, Dr. Waterhouse, I've just written a book on, or I've written my book on spiritual principles in the business world. And it won, this is the key, and it won best business book for da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Okay? And the ease with which this individual said this to Dr. John Waterhouse shocked me. And it shocked me because where she received her award from was a pay-for-play service. In other words, if I pay X amount of money to this publishing company, I too can be the best published book on XYZ. These are out there ad nauseum. There's tons and tons and tons. And one of the things that I'm finding over and over and over again is when I, when I see that level of misrepresentation, when I see that level of, I need to have this accolade in order for people to think I know what I'm talking about. That's out of principle. That's not living in truth. 
And I've become so mindful of that now because one of our, our biggest things, and now we're going to go right back to the political aspect, one of the biggest things we have to deal with is people are not voting for candidates anymore. People are not reading books because it was recommended to them. They're reading because of, and voting because of excellent marketing campaigns. And the problem with marketing is you don't always get the whole truth. Marketing's not about the truth that you tell. The marketing's about the truth that you can sell. That was really good. Thank you. We like that. I said marketing is not about the truth that you tell. Marketing is about the truth that you can sell. And so what plays out with that is a lot of information is being withheld. And it's incumbent upon the individual, myself included, to say, am I being sold 100% truth and clarity? Or am I buying into an energy that allows for the continued expression of the whole truth not being revealed? I didn't say anything to John Waterhouse, but what I can tell you is John Waterhouse is a very smart man, and he did not have that lady speak at his, his center. And she won't be speaking here either. Why doesn't your bookstore have all of Ernest Holmes' books, pamphlets, and something? I get it. Um, because there's no room. <laughs> I would love for us to have more books, I, uh, Ernest Holmes books, more pamphlets, etc. Um, Christine Overrocker has been doing an excellent job and reconfiguring the bookstore. So thank you very much for that. And I think we'll see more come in as time goes on. But at the end of the day, um, it's about what folks are, want to see and what they want to buy. Um, for me, it, it all boils down to one thing, and that's the Science of Mind textbook. Even though, as I said earlier, it can be a difficult read. But it, you'll, what you'll find is, if you read through it, take classes, read through it again, that the more you read it, the more you'll understand. Because every time, you're going to be reviewing it from a higher level of consciousness. You understand? Um, I'm not going to say we're not going to get more books, but I'm going to say that that's up to Christine's discretion right now. How's that? We're sidestepping the issue. Oh, no. Is New Thought really that new, or does it occur over different times in history? No, New Thought is not new at all. New Thought is simply a um, different expression of ancient wisdom. That's all it is. There's absolutely nothing concerning the vibration of love and the healing power of God that we will find in the Bible that we won't find in the Science of Mind textbook, or that we won't find in whatever new books are coming along. We interpret it differently. We, we express that wisdom differently. And, and that's why I've always said that Scripture and, 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 new, and the Science of Mind are basically the same thing. And you cannot read the Science of Mind textbook without almost every other page, well, I won't say every other page, but every few pages, 
referring to scripture or a biblical story. So I, I, I you know, some, there are times I go, well, I, maybe we shouldn't call it new thought. But then what, what do we call it? What do we call it, this movement, this energy that we're in? I'm going to let you guys know. Um, I've been going. I'm hoping you're, you're, you've had a good time. Um, so I've got some questions here that um, I do, we've, got more, we've got more questions than time. So I'm going to choose one, one more, and then if you want me to do one more after that, I will. Because I want to be respectful of your time. Have you had fun this morning so far? Has this been interesting? I'm so glad, because if, we, if not, my chorus would hear about it. For those that don't know, my chorus are the folks that funnel me information. <gasps> I have to do this one because somebody typed their question in advance, <laughs> which I've been talking about for three weeks. <laughs> Can you please talk about the current sexual harassment cases which are coming forth weekly, actually daily, and how they fit into our country's race consciousness. Is this a case of contrast which we have manifested to assist us on our path of evolvement? If so, why? And does this tie into the division and unrest that has come forward through our new political administration? Let us end where we began. Um, it's not about... Let, let, me, let me back up. Yes. So, one of the things that happens, how many times have we gotten the, the, the seen the email story, um, so in, the, the minister from this denomination, what have you, says, Scripture says the Bible's going to end on this day. And they, they come up with these mathematical numbers and, and their rationale and all that great stuff about the signs pointing that the world is going to end on this day. And, of course, that absolutely does not tie into our beliefs whatsoever. Zero. None. And I also have to honor what my belief is, and that is, you know, I believe and we believe that there is one mind. We're all a part of it. We're all an expression of source. And every once in a while within that one mind, there are those that appear to be out of it. But I have to recognize that individual that is promoting something that I, is totally the polar opposite of what I know to be true. Why does that occur? And it occurs because they're operating at a level of vibration that they understand, that they've been conditioned to understand and express. And when I look at that, I go, okay, so they're operating at their level of vibration. What's going on? And what they're doing is they're expressing their belief based on their vibration. And simultaneously, while that's going on, consciousness is evolving. Consciousness is expanding. We see it all the time. There's more and more good unfolding in this world than there is bad. Unfortunately, MSNBC, CNN, Fox News, etc., they don't report that. Right? And so... With these individuals that say the world's coming to an end, based on their vibration, they are absolutely right. The world as they interpret it, the world as they embrace it, the world as they feel it, the, the world as they understand it, 
is coming to an end. And I honor that for them. But what's coming to an end is not the physical world, but the energy, the low vibrating energy that allows someone to say, oh, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. So we've got that set up over here. We're going to set this here for just a moment. And so now what we're seeing is these sexual harassment cases coming in all the time. And guess what? It's not about sex. It's about power. It's about domination. It's about, you know, if I can't legally pick on somebody that's a different race anymore, then let me pick on someone that's a different gender. Let me express that power that way. Let me express that power and authority that way. One of the things, that, and this is what shocks me, this, that, that's come out now, because I never knew this, was, or is, that the sexual harassment within Congress was so prevalent that they actually set up a fund in order to, what do you call it when you pay somebody off to keep their mouth shut? Settlement. They set up a settlement fund. Well, guess who's paying for the settlement fund? But we can't feed our kids. Or, God forbid, no, we can't, we can't, we can't save grandma's life. We've got to pay off over here. Don't get us started. So, this evolution of good, consciousness evolving, is about light. It is about light expanding. It is about light spreading. And we are going to see more of these cases that have been hidden in the darkness because consciousness has evolved to a point that the light is so bright, so full, that these little hidden things about power are now going to come into the light of day. They cannot be hidden anymore. And we can say, and I applaud all the women, and, and in some cases men that have come forward, I think it's exactly the right thing to do, and I honor them for uh, having the courage to be willing to accept the negativity that's coming back to them. But understand, this has been about light expanding. Light expanding. The, the divine expanding. We will see more. But it's not about sexual harassment, per se. It is about authority and power and dominance. And that is what's coming to an end. We're back to energy burning itself out. And in order for the energy to burn itself out, we have to recognize that, hey, there's a fire. We first have to acknowledge there's a fire that needs to be burned out. And up until six months ago, well, I'll take that back in just a moment. Up until six months ago, we never really recognized collectively there was a fire. Now, we had the opportunity when? At the at Anita Hill, but also at the election. Isn't that interesting? Okay. Oh, um, so that's why. And yes, it does tie into the division and unrest, but understand, it's still the vibration of energy. It is a vibration of energy that is about one being better than the other, one about having to take as opposed to give. I have to take authority, I have to take power as opposed to 
give and empower others to raise their vibration. That, look, the best example I can give you of how this is playing out, it will play out, is, you know, when, when the Supreme Court overturned all the laws banning gay marriage, much hoopla, there was a great rejoicing, everybody was happy, ourselves included, you know, we had an 18-year engagement before we could get married. And there was much hoopla about that. And a lot of people were very grateful to the people that brought that case to the Supreme Court, and rightfully so. But at the end of the day, you know who we need to thank for that? George Bush and his little minion. I can't think of his little minion's name. No, not Dan Quayle. The l little funny guy. Anyhow, uh, the weird one. She knows exactly who I'm talking about. Yeah. No, not Cheney. Anyhow, why do we want to thank George Bush for that? Because George, and the American electorate has a short memory. George Bush was failing in the polls at the end of his first term. He wasn't going to be elected. And the election strategy was to get the gay marriage, anti-gay marriage initiatives on the ballot in as many states as possible so he could win the electoral college. That's what that was about. That's what that was about. And what happened? It was horrible. Discrimination was written into the U.S. Constitution. And I said then, it would not stand. It would not stand. It might not end immediately. But it will not stand. And what happened? Here we are. We finally have embraced the fact where, you know what? Love is love. Love is love. And now, most have embraced that fact, I'll say. And so this is what's playing out now is when we're seeing these vibrations playing out, never lose sight of the fact at the end Good will always prevail. We might not like having to walk through the molasses and the minutiae that we're going through now and this negative energy because it feels so heavy, but never lose sight of the fact we're always moving towards good. And sometimes we don't see what it is. And I promise you, we are moving towards good now. It's going to get, and it's going to feel like it's going to get worse before it gets better. I hate to say that. But at the end of the day, there is light at the end of the tunnel. You get to decide. It is, oh my God, it is 1210. Do you want one more question or you want me to say sayonara? What, one more quick one. I don't think I understand the question. How to have peace of mind when all is well? That was you? Well, I got it. You're what ifing yourself out of your good. Okay. So the question is how to have peace of mind when all is going well? And the answer to that question is really rather simple. Continuously, continue to focus on the good. And do the gratitude journal. Start 
Start journaling about all the good that's going on in your life. But don't just use it as a means to acknowledge. Use it as a means to remind. When you begin reading back to yourself the good that's going on in your journey, the good that you're thinking, you're, you're grateful for, that creates a level of vibration within you that's only going to draw and attract more good. I think that's a great question to, for us to end on. Well, I hope you had a great time. I did too. If by chance I didn't answer your question and it's just a burning question because I haven't looked at them, then please come up to me after service and, and we'll, I'll answer it. Okay? Um, let's do our offering affirmation. Infinite mind. Infinite mind. In as and through me. In as and through me. Blesses and multiplies my offering. Blesses and multiplies my offering. It does its good and perfect work. It does its good and perfect work. And returns to me. And returns to me. Multiplied abundantly. Multiplied abundantly. And if the ushers would please come forward as they're coming forward, it's my pleasure to introduce again the wonderful Gwen Hughes. And this is a song about... Thank you again for selecting the Trinity Center for Spiritual Living podcast for your spiritual journey and for the expression of your generosity at trinitycenteratlanta.org forward slash donate.